Hello and welcome everybody to an EM Over Easy podcast. We are uh, here at DK Diner recording with Drew and a uh, good good friend Cameron Hansen. We are doing it a little, uh, I guess, different than normal. Unconventional. Uh, somebody forgot the recorder on their desk at their house, and that somebody is me. So we're using Drew's desktop Yeti, and we apologize for a little bit of the sound, but we're going to have a good time today because we got a good topic to talk about. wanted to bring you guys a clinical grind, and we wanted to bring in Cameron Hansen, who's been on the show before, did our nursing communication episodes with us, to talk specifically about this case. So you guys want to hear about the case a little bit before... I'm so excited. No, I want to give my opinions on it now before I know anything. <laughs> Andy, it was managed all wrong, and let me tell you exactly what you should have done. <laughs> I'm, that might actually come out of your mouth before this is all said and over. So this is a case I had early on after graduating from residency, so it's a couple years. I wanted to give this case time to marinate uh, before we talked about it. So I was working at a site where I was the, the day doc, so came in at 7 a.m., got signed out. Everything was going to be a grand day, set up to be perfect. And within 30 minutes, heard a EMS encode with a young gentleman who was coming from a house fire. Uh, they described him as he was ejected out of the house. Oh. And so based off How of How does one get ejected out of a house from a fire? I mean, was there an explosion? So they, didn't, they didn't give specifics over EMS, as you know. Said the patient was ejected from the house from a fire. Just based off that, he had some shortness of breath, had some abnormal vital signs. So we leaned towards being conservative and called a trauma alert. Right. So a trauma alert... Uh, was called, and at this place, uh, there's typically a little bit of time, and I think it was eight to ten minutes before he was going to get to us. Uh, we called the trauma alert. Now, the trauma alerts at this hospital are a little different than other places where you get a lot of people, not from the emergency department, who come to these trauma alerts, right? And as we can probably Window talk watchers. about... So as we can talk about here in a minute, not all of them are always the most helpful. And usually when they're not helpful, I'm okay with that. They're there, they're physically available. They, you know, if I need them, they're available. If they're not, they're just there watching, um, voyeuring for the, the trauma resuscitation or what we're doing with the patient. But unfortunately, one of the people that showed up as a window watcher was not just there to watch. Was, was the person that showed up as a window watcher also a patient when they got hit by the patient being ejected out of the house <laughs> because they were standing in front of the window? I mean, I'm just still wrapping my head around ejected from the house. Is there like a pull cord, a rip cord? Like on an F-14? Yeah. You know, like, hold it. I'll, 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 I'll get there in a second. <laughs> okay. so, but, but, Did Goose make it? That's my question. So this, per, this person... Goose! Goose! This person shows up to their trauma, the trauma room, and they just start asking all these questions about why did they get called out of their assignment? They were in the middle of rounding. You know, this patient better be really sick. And they hear that we have a 38-year-old guy coming in after a house fire when he was ejected out of the house as a trauma. And so from the second they show up, it's, I don't need to be here. This is ridiculous. Why Bye. did you guys call me? And I'm just kind of like, and granted, like, it's like 725. So, like, I had seen a patient, and I'm still, you know, I drove. it's a little ways to drive there. So I'm still, like, waking up, for, you know, for the day. And I'm rubbing, rubbing the sleep boogies yeah, out of your eyes. That's right. And they just start, like, questioning me as the, who's the physician? Who called this as a trauma? And I'm just like, hey over here. And so there begins this back and forth before the patient gets there. And I'm able to like quote a little bit that, well, he had some abnormal vital signs and we were a little concerned. I think that appeases them for a minute and then the patient rolls in. And then the patient rolls in and it's a high 30s male coming in. Externally looks fine. More of the story we get from EMS is he was cooking meth in his bathroom. Uh, 
all good stories start with cooking meth in the bathroom. And there was an explosion in the bathroom, and he was ejected out of the window of his bathroom into the yard next to his house. So I think ejected is the wrong word. So he so was, I think that's, he, he was, was, he probably was jumping propelled. away from he the, was, yeah, yeah, I like the word propelled. He was propelled <laughs> due to explosive yeah. force. Yeah. Now granted, out of the window, the window right? was open, so it's not like he had to break through the window, but still like out of a house Kids, into a yard. Proper ventilation is always important when cooking meth, okay? And, and so now we're also doing it with the blast injury, right? So blast yeah. injury plus injuries yeah. from the propulsion yeah. out of the uh, structure that he was cooking yeah. meth. Yep. And so we start doing the we start doing the, the primary survey again externally. His only complaint he says he can't breathe, nice and chest pain. And so head to toe, you know, ear when doesn't you inhale throat. a fireball, that's what happens. You know, externally looks fine, and then he starts getting striderous. Yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, all right, Protect so this I can't see what's going on inside this guy's mouth. And so I say, hey guys, we got to intubate this guy. Yep. And this naysayer is still present, was cal- was quelled by everything else. And the second I say that we're going to intubate this guy, it's, do you know what you're doing? What is going on with you? I do. Like, the question is, do you? So how do you how do you deal with that? Like I'm going to give you more of the story in a little bit, but like the initial response of, do you know what you're doing? Why are we doing this? I think this is inappropriate by somebody who's not from your department, and you don't know from anything. I appreciate the question. We'll talk about this after I save this kid's life. Bye. (laughs) So this is where there's a fundamental attribution error, right, going on here. So we've made, there's assumptions going on with this guy about us, or you, and now you about him. He's clearly not having a good day, for whatever reason, she or whoever this person is, not having a good day. That is getting projected onto the patient scenario you're currently in. And so you have to reset the situation somehow. That may be simply asking him, hey, this is not productive right now. If you don't feel like you need to be here or you can't add to the productive care of the patient, feel free to leave. I'm not kicking you out. Just, you know, go ahead and leave. Or can we reset the situation and take care of this patient properly and figure out how to to do it, right? I mean, like, let's take a step back and, and properly care for this patient together. And so, one of the two has to happen. Yeah. And so initially I was just kind of taken back because that was probably the most, I guess, forthcoming somebody had been about like, hey, do you know what you're doing? And I'm like... Well, and I, I can answer that question for them. What? <laughs> do you know what you're doing? Is it no? <laughs> I'm just, just going to let, let that linger. Let that linger a little bit. And so initially... There I should be a poll on EM over easy if Andy knows what he's doing. Please go vote yes or no. Twitter poll. <laughs> Please vote Yes. So initially, I just kind of like brushed it off. I was like, she's far enough away that's not going to be a problem. But Is then, she somebody that this should have been in her scope of knowledge to begin with? Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. Because there are a lot of ancillary people that can show up in these kind of situations that may be part of some intra-hospital team that's supposed yeah, to come. part of a response team that really isn't helpful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and got put on the committee because they got voluntold. And yeah. I initially kind of brush it off, and I start ordering meds, you know, RSI meds. I want some fentanyl yeah. for post-op. By the way, we're going to need to get a stat chest x-ray to make yep. sure he doesn't drop the lung, to make sure he doesn't have some signs of uh, other problems within his lungs, like has he got a chemical burn right. that we can see with pneumatosis. And she just keeps coming at me to the point to where now she's got my pharmacist wondering if I sh- she should be giving me these drugs. And she's got another one of the nurses being like, do we really need to invite this person, Dr. Little? They look okay on room oxygen. And the guy just gets more stridorous and just not like... It's not about the picture not now. Good. It's the and picture so, so literally, like, I remember it's being like, you know what, can you guys drop the meds? I got to go make a phone call. And so I remember I leave. I literally step out of the trauma bay and I text John Casey. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, I know it's 7.35 in the morning and you might not be awake, but 
this is what's going on. Am I stupid? Like, just asked him. Like, right. am I wrong to do this? And then, like, stepping back, reevaluating. And literally, like, just starts getting this bubbles like he's texting. You get this fervor of, like, no, that guy should have been intubated before he got to you. Like, just reassuring me. And I walk in, and I do kind of what you said. I said, look, ma'am, I understand maybe you don't see what we're doing here, but I'm concerned for an airway burn with this striderus and with what happened. So if you don't feel comfortable with me doing this, I'd rather you not be in the room when I do it. That way you don't have to, like, deal right. with me doing it. But if you want to stay, if you could just keep your opinion to yourself. They didn't really like that, but they were fine with it because at that point, the charge nurse walked in and saw what was going on uh, with her uh, talking to other ancillary providers and said, look, our doc's smart. We needed to leave him alone. So it was nice because, like, I got some reinforcements. Some good backup, with, yeah. with, 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 the, with the charge nurse. So we, we, I set up to do GlideScope, intubate the guy, and I... Wish I had the video on. As I'm intubating this guy, it goes from normal mouth to black mouth. Oh, yeah. To, like, vocal cords, like, barely open, able to sneak a seven in, and, and, and we finish it up, um, get him intubated. And the entire time, as I see that, I pause, and I, this is what I was worried about. And they just were speechless. Good. Yeah. Hopefully we'll give Boom. them pause, yeah. So I, 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 didn't drop, I, thought, I thought about Stop. dropping the GlideScope handle when I tubed him, but I thought that that would be expensive and uh, not necessary. But I think it brings up the, the question of is that sometimes we are put in scenarios where we maybe not are the content expert. We've all responded to codes on the first floor of your hospital. We've all you know shown up in the cath lab with help. And yeah. how do you deal with that interrelation of you are there for a specific job and you don't want to step outside of that? I think there's, there's so many salient points you can go to here, and this being... August as we're recording the end of August so we have some attendants that have only been out now for probably uh, six weeks practicing and they've found themselves already in the situation where they're the newbie in the hospital and mm -hmm. while they have every ability and capability of what they're doing everybody else doesn't know them so yeah. when the critical care doc comes in the anesthesiologist comes in the uh, radio whoever is responding to the call comes in yeah. they've been at the hospital they're established they know what's going on and the new doc doesn't and it's increasingly difficult when you're the new doc or you're not familiar with the situation whether you're brand new out of pre out of residency or just new in a facility and you don't know all these people showing up i had this happen to me at a place that i've worked now for over two years but i don't work frequently yet on a yeah. pediatric code and two pediatricians showed up i don't know them they don't know me and it was a very awkward dance for about five to ten minutes as we were kind of figuring out who's really running by the way me because it's yeah. in the ed but, you know, what, what do you do? So that's kind of issue number one. Mm -hmm. And then issue number two is how do you stake your claim to being this is, yeah. you know, this is my department, right? Yeah. So I appreciate the help and I want backup support and I want help. But this is my domain, right? I am the king of this domain and you have to respect that. Yeah. I mean, Cameron, you've had to do this every year for the last, I don't know, how long you worked at our, at our shop with new residents. Six years. I mean, I, I yeah. just finished okay. my orientation as you guys were... Okay. So, so every, every, with every class, he was so cute back then, wasn't he? Aww. I was probably cuter. Um, how have you? How do you deal with that from a, from a nursing standpoint? Because I feel like that's a dynamic that you've had to do this every year for the last six years. It's it's rare we see different power dynamics from other departments coming into ours. Um, we have a pretty good system in place there where we don't tend to get a lot of ancillary help unless we're specifically asking for it. Um, be that extra, you know, consultants or whatever. When we get codes called, we don't have, uh, you know, a slew of extra people that come in. Um, we see a couple of things. I think I said we we see the kind of opposite end 
where we have a lot of unsure residents not willing to jump in and necessarily take over that power dynamic that they should be taking over. And at the same token, when we are the ones somewhat being called in as the consultant for a code elsewhere on the floor, um, you see people where resuscitation is not their wheelhouse trying to run the show, and we need to be able to come in and say, you've done a fine job so far, now let the experts take over. Yeah. And it's very touchy because you have people who, you'll end up getting like in-house and you'll get ICU, and there are people who, who definitely know what they're doing in some of those situations, but they're not the experts. And kind of coming from that outsider's perspective, being able to say, hey guys, we're here, what do you want, what do you want from us? Yeah. Um, to kind of set that expectation up front. That way you're, you're looking to the people who are there primarily and saying, as, as the consultant now for this, what are this, what scope of this, this resuscitation do you want us to take over? And then being able to jump in and, and you know, seamlessly do those things. And then that being said, if we do see something that's inappropriate, being able to definitively say, I don't think this is, is what should be happening. This is what we need to be doing. We're going to go ahead and take over from yeah. here. There are definitely environments that we step into that are not our comfort zones. Um, the cath lab, I think, being one of those where you end up having that kind of power struggle because you got the interventional cardiologist there and cardiology obviously being in their strong suit. Um, and they sometimes do things that are unconventional for us. You know, stacking shocks, for example. You know, not doing CPR, for example. And um, it can feel very foreign and it can feel like, I don't want my name anywhere on this chart. What can I do to get out of here? So being able to have somebody assert themselves in those situations, I think, is very appropriate. But at the same time, coming from that outsider's perspective in your scenario, Andy, at some point you have to be able to look and say, okay, my my voice isn't needed here, and I need to step away. I, I think that's a great perspective because we're all going to find ourselves as physicians, as nurses, responding to situations outside of our department, right? Yeah. Sometimes we're going to work at facilities where we're going to respond to every code in the hospital because we are the code team, especially at night and on the weekends because there's no staff. Or maybe it's just that something happens physically you, close the to the ED. attending in the hospital. Right. Or, you know, one of three or, or whatever. And if you're not the first person there initiating it, you always have to ask yourself, what is my role in this situation? Yeah. And the way I choose to act is to make eye contact with whoever is in charge, taking command of the situation, and ask, what can I do to help you? What's the situation, right? Sometimes it's, can you do this? Yeah. No problem. Then there's a clear transfer of power in that situation. Or it's, I'm fine. Thanks for coming no problem, let me know if you need me again, I'll get out of the way. Or, hey, can you do X, Y, and Z? Absolutely, yep. that's what I'm here for, right? And making it very clear what, what that power structure is and what my role is as the second or third person on scene, just as it is if you want to relate it to a 911 fire and EMS, right? The first fire truck on the scene of a fire assumes command. Right. And it doesn't mean that command can't be transferred, but if it is, it's done in a process with a discussion and agreement between two people. Not somebody just walking in going, guess what? I'm in charge now, Here. right? That doesn't yeah. work. You can't have that that happen in an emergent situation. So Andy, it sounds like you handled it properly. Yeah. Um, really difficult because you were brand new 
Yeah. Uh, as an attending, brand new, being an attending at this facility, it wasn't a shop that you were necessarily all that comfortable with. And that's a that's a stressful situation to be in. Yeah. And, and my only big take homes words is that I did not lose my cool, which to be honest, I still wonder. It's a good thing I'm 35 as a doctor now and not the 19 year old version of myself, because that would have been a different outcome. But I think the other big thing was is that I, I was willing to take a pause, and even though. You know, I stepped out of the room for a minute. I just did a quick consult with somebody that I did that, I, that trained me in residency. Just be like, "Hey, am I off base?" And it was nice to get that little reassurance of, "No, what you're doing is right. This is appropriate." So, for the people out there, like, this is why you train with people, is so you can get yeah. their consults in the middle of the night. This is why, if you're on the EM Docs Facebook page, why people post pictures. Like, this is why we're in a big family together. So know that there's always resources available. And to summarize the case, the guy intubated, defined, transferred to the burn center. And it was really nice because at the end of all this, I get him transferred, other stuff comes in. About three hours later, that particular provider looped back down for another trauma that we had and showed up and said, oh, good, Dr. Little's here. I'm really glad. Like, they, like, I don't know, like, that one case was enough for them to realize that, like, I wasn't a dummy. Um, also be okay that, that you... We'll see what the Twitter poll says about that one, all right? That's the verdict true. is still out. I think we jumped to a conclusion there, buddy. From, from that, that other person's perspective, though, you also want to look at it like, so I don't necessarily agree with what this person's doing, but is what they're doing, is, is the potential for what they're doing going to cause any badness versus potentially saving from badness? And looking at that, so let's say you intubated the guy and he didn't need it. So he goes to the unit, he goes to the burn unit, they extubate him the same day, next day, whatever the case may be, no harm, no foul. Whereas had you not, and then you're criking the guy there in your resus bay, it's a whole different story. Very, very true. Good case, Andy. Yeah, thanks. Tough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to thank everybody for being involved. Cam, thanks for coming down for breakfast. We appreciate it. I know this is kind of out of the way. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, We look forward to having you on other EM Over Easy episodes. For those listeners, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then on your favorite podcasting app. And our blog site. (laughs) Our blog site at emovereasy.com. Until next time, guys, thanks so much.